biggest games. Biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Welcome back to the pod. We had a crazy whirlwind of esports last weekend. We had the Capcom Cup, Overwatch League preseason, and League of Legends All-Stars all converging on the same weekend. Wow, yeah, it's a lot to cover. But Jacob, you were there covering the Overwatch League, so we're mainly going to focus on that today. Um, But before we dive too deep, I want to talk about TSM just really quickly since they had their roster announcement last week. Emily Rand got the chance to attend and she'll be joining us after the break but jacob as someone who knows mythy pretty well do you have anything to say about the conversations that maybe took took place behind the scenes while tsm was you know forming their roster yeah i mean i think that he was looking to go to a north american team as he said recently in an interview with travis um I don't think that was always said on TSM. Uh, he also said that he had had multiple offers from TSM, which I, if I remember correctly, the, the first of those was that year that they, uh, ended up getting Yellow Star. There was a bunch of people they talked to, like right. Peekaboo that same off season as well. They ended right, up yes. with Yellow Star, but, um, so I feel like he was going to go to an NA team either way. There were a couple offers. There were a lot of people interested in him. So not necessarily like they didn't come to an offer sheet, but there, there was certainly like a lot of people that had conversations. Um, so I think that like generally this was one that, um, made sense. They also were the, one of the few teams that had an 80 carry import slot open as well. And I don't know if a lot of people that could spend on that and, um, Finscaren, from what I heard, was pretty much going to leave on his own regard anyway. Um, Do you think that they would have kept him if he wanted to stay? I think they would have kept him, but he couldn't have played. He would have had to, and I don't know if he fits in the academy rules either, so I don't even know if he could be on an academy team. Right. So um, I really think that he would have probably just sat the bench. So, I mean, the C9 thing makes sense for him, right? And um, the fact that he was going to leave anyway, opened an import slot for that team, and they could get someone like Mike Young, who Bjergsen mm. said he has also talked to a lot and had a, an outstanding relationship with. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think just all the pieces lined up, and that's that's what put this team together. I actually think they're a pretty solid team as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, for sure. TSM definitely won the offseason here, and I think Reggie's really happy about it from everything I've read in his interview so far. Uh, just one, one last question, out of curiosity, was the Mythies Venn situation sort of like the double of situation where they wouldn't join the roster without duoing with one another i uh, no, i don't think that's what it was i do think that and mithy said this himself so mithy said that he was going to join an na team he told Sven. Sven was open to the idea of going together i think that mithy probably could have gone on his own and probably would have had Sven not wanted to um i think that just pieces kind of lined up and they both wanted to go okay so. cool uh but the real topic today is of course the overwatch league preseason Jacob, you were there on the ground for the opening games. So what was that like? It was incredible, honestly. Uh, It was nice, and I said this throughout the weekend to a lot of the league people, it was nice to finally see it as a product rather than an idea. What do you mean by that? So the Overwatch League has been an idea, really ambitious and um, sort of crazy, almost, idea in terms of what they've been proposing and what they want to do. And so it's been... 
something that they've had to sell people on this idea, I guess technically a $20 million idea, um, and it is now officially a product that you can see. You can see what it looks like in real time, and that studio was awesome. Like It was actually very well done. They had an LED board, if anyone saw, that was across, and so every time something would happen, it would light up. There was a halo at- uh, across the top of the ring. And are atop of the arena, and the halo uh, would change based off like payload completion. So, like depending on where the payload was, it would light up. Oh, cool! Which was really cool. So it was very interactive, and um, generally, I think that uh, it it's was really nice to kind of see it as a product and see what this is going to look like, and then hopefully they can replicate that when that geolocates. So there's like twelve events around the world or whatever, or how many more they have with expansion when they geolocate uh, around the world that are exactly like that, and that they really are good. And that was my big thing to them. If they can blow that up in a big arena like a Staples right. Center eventually, that is awesome because right. that's that was really well executed for sure. And as someone who's covered many ride events, and I have to ask, how does the Overwatch League stack up? It's better than some. Um, certainly takes ideas from others, right? So one of my favorite things about Worlds last year was the uh, two pods, and in the center was the mini map, right? So oh, you could, at the like, Staples Center. Yeah, so you could see right. everything, and um, I think that that's really cool. Um, and yeah, so the generally, I think that the Overwatch League is probably better than LCS Arena but not as good yet as something like what happened at Staples last year. I think it's somewhere in the middle, but I think generally like it's different too. So right. I don't know if it's an apt comparison because the Overwatch League is trying something completely different with like this huge LED panel. You really have to look at it to understand what I'm saying. But like um, this huge LED uh, panels of, of lights everywhere and everything is a screen, which is really different. Um, so I, I don't think it's easy to compare it to Riot stuff, uh, but I generally think that it's it's better than what Riot does on, like, a regular season game. Right, for sure. I, I wonder what they're going to do for the championship weekend. Are they going to bring it international? Are they going to keep it domestic in their Burbank studio? I mean, I think the, the easy thing is, and I asked this in an answer over the weekend when I was interviewing him, uh, I asked, does, was it a big part of wanting to recruit people like Immortals and uh, the Philadelphia team? was a big part of that because they also have venues, right? So Immortals is sponsored, or not sponsored, but invested in by AEG, which is a huge venue owner, and they own, like, the Novo Theater, the Staples Center, and Microsoft Theater in L.A., so those are right in Blizzard's backyard. And then Comcast is the owner, or Comcast Spectacor is the owner of the Philadelphia team, and, and they are, uh, like, a hospitality company that owns a bunch of venues across the world as well. So I think that, like, that's... You can look at that, and we can kind of figure out where it is. But even some of the people like Misfits have access to, like, the American Airlines Arena in Miami because they're investors in the Miami Heat. So there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap here in terms of, like, venue facilities. So I'm, I think it will be in something much bigger. I just don't know if that's in L.A. or if that's somewhere else. Right. In- interesting. I actually didn't think about the fact that they have all these traditional sports relationships that can really help them host these kind of big competitions in the future. Yeah, I think that that's a big part of why you see certain people in the league, for sure. Nice. Did you get to see any team owners while you were in L.A.? I did. I got to watch uh, the London Spitfire versus, uh, I want to say, Los Angeles Gladiators. I got to watch that series with Jack from Cloud9 and the Spitfire. Um, I got to watch Seoul versus Shanghai with Kevin Chow. 
Um, it was on the podcast, nice. I believe, last week briefly. Um, he was not on the podcast, well, but he was, I did he, talk to you him. You interviewed briefly. him, yeah. and that was, yeah. Right, so, yes. yes. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> Listeners are familiar. Um, I got to, to meet some of the folks uh, from New York who, from the Will Ponds, Sterling, BC, they were around a little bit and got to talk to them. Um, there were a decent amount of people. I got, I got to go back and see the practice rooms with the uh, gladiators ownership, uh, the Phoenix one. So the, nice. they are the operator for the gladiators. And yeah, I mean, there were a lot of people around. Um, and it was really cool to kind of get their like off the cuff thoughts of like, this is what this looks like. And like, we're so excited that it's finally here and just saying that assignment, uh, Kevin Chow in particular was kind of like a kid in a candy store. He was so excited to like see his team come out and he was like sitting there taking Twitter videos. It was really great to kind of see that excitement. What were their impressions of the games or the studio? Um, so there was a mix up on a couple of the games. So the, uh, London Spitfire versus Los Angeles Gladiator series. Um, the Spitfire, there was some kind of confusion between the Overwatch League and uh, the league itself and the Spitfire, and they ended up subbing in, um, or they ended up playing the wrong rosters for game one and two, so they got one and two backwards for the Spitfire, because oh, they basically have two rosters. Right, they have like yeah. the, the Kongdu base um, roster yes. and then the Busan base yes. roster, mm-hmm. and they were playing them interchangeably based off strengths, and so uh, the team that was supposed to play two played one and the team that played one was supposed to play two so they ended up losing that series and i'm uh jack was a little salty about it uh it's all preseason doesn't matter yeah it's It's preseason so it really doesn't matter and then also um tyrong the coach for the outlaws was not in attendance because he has uh some visa hiccups and they're waiting to sort that out in the next couple of weeks and so flame their general manager basically had to be their de facto coach while taking notes from tyrong over the phone uh or over skype and um, he ended up subbing in the wrong people. Flame did based off Tyrong's suggestions. So the Outlaws also didn't play as well. But that was a really good series with Envy. And I, I um, that was probably one of my favorite series of the the week was. Uh, so those were my two favorite were London versus Los Angeles, even though there was a mix up. And then also um, Dallas versus Houston was really good as well. Well, I'm glad that they had this preseason to kind of test the waters and make their mistakes now before the real season starts. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the whole, like, that was what they kind of asked the media as well, was like, don't, if a light bulb goes out, don't be critical. There was, like, a, a small mix-up of, like, uh, the the Valiant logo flashed when they were congratulating the Gladiators one, so I would imagine that was, like, mixed up. But It's confusing with it's two LA preseason. teams, It's the right? preseason, yeah. right? Like, and those are probably labeled in a presenter as LAG and LAV, and you probably just hit the wrong one. Like, that's, that's a pretty common thing i think but yeah it's the preseason like i don't i if anybody was like railing blizzard for any mess ups they really shouldn't be because i think it will be much better when january rolls around yeah for sure and i think a lot of people came into this event with a lot of anticipation and anxiety a little bit like could blizzard live up to the hype that they build up for themselves and hopefully in january well now we have a taste so in january i think that they're on good footing yeah, I think that these were steps in the right direction. I think that uh, I didn't see anything that would make me gasp in... Uh, in horror. In horror, yeah, that would be <laughs> the best way to describe it. So, uh, yeah, I think it's fine. Nice. Um, did you get to talk to any of the team owners about their anxieties, perhaps, heading into the Overwatch League launch? I think a lot of people felt relieved, actually, from being there at this event, um, both people at the League and with people in ownership. I think that that was like, like I said, it's finally a product, right? Like right. we're no longer betting our money on, uh, betting our money on an idea. Um, so, uh, yeah, like everybody seemed to be pretty okay with, with how things went. I don't, I don't think anybody was like super anxious anymore. I would say the opposite. I feel like they were relieved that it finally happened. Did you get to talk in, to uh, talk to any of your favorite players? 
Uh, I saw some of the players, but I didn't like have very thorough conversations. I wasn't I wasn't out there for to do like random interviews. But yeah, I got to. I was actually sitting backstage, and uh, so they have this room where um, you do all your like post match stuff, uh, like filming. So like you're not talking, and they have a different interview room. But uh, you're not talking, but you're doing like uh, you're walking up towards the camera. The camera's like panning back for you. You know, like all the weird yeah. B roll footage that they use in the intros. And so I went back there with the Gladiators because I have a friend that I wanted to get to see, and he was backstage. And so we went back there with their ownership. And um, I actually was like sitting there and super from uh, the shock. I was going to say energy, but the shock broke, walked by and went wolf bomb. And oh, the, wow. It was really funny. Um, so I did get to interact with a lot of the players. I could see people like Bichu and Kez, who are formerly League of Legends. They were there because right. Bichu plays on the Gladiators. And Wasn't Kez he is also there. on Heroes of the Storm? Yep. And Kez is their house manager. And he used to be, they both used to be on TDK ah, uh, together during times. League of Legends days. So, um, yeah, I got to see a lot of players, Muma and Cool Matt and all those guys from Houston. And But I didn't really have, like, any thorough interviews or conversations. Right. You were really there for a top secret story that you guys will probably see in January. I was there for business stuff. Hmm. So not, not, uh, not player stuff. I'm sure I'll be back for player stuff. For Tyler, sure. Tyler got to do a little bit more of the player stuff than I did. Yeah, Tyler got to attend all three events, which I'm insanely jealous of. Yeah, that's a fun weekend right there. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're going to go to break in a second, but if you have nothing better to do, you can leave us a rating and a review in iTunes and let us know how we're doing. Hey, and for all the people that listen to this podcast and like always pull me aside in person and say thank you, can you also just please leave the review? Uh, I would love that. Yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, my God. Wait, someone. OK, so this is really random, but someone actually DM me and they were like, oh, I really enjoyed your marketing podcast that you did on South Korea and the League Champions Korea. And I was like, oh, thanks. And this guy's name was Christian Bishop. And I was like, this name sounds really familiar. So From I clicked CG his media network. I talked to him last week. Yeah. yeah. And I clicked his profile. He's from The Bachelorette. With oh, JoJo. I didn't realize he was on The Bachelorette. Yeah. yeah I talked to him last week uh, when I was in L.A. And, uh, yeah, he he's talked to me about the podcast as well. He told me it was basically free consulting, which is, uh, <laughs> which is That's funny. That's nice. I didn't realize that he was on, on The Bachelorette. Huh? Yeah, but... Um, shout outs to Christian. Yeah, shout outs to Christian. Thanks for sending that. Uh, but, yeah, the rest of you guys can leave us a review in iTunes or you can tweet us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm at Rachel Youngu. Jacob is at Jacob and Wolf. And our Twitter account for ESPN is at ESPN underscore esports. You can also find us in the ESPN app. And if you subscribe to esports in it, our logo is that little headset. We can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. Right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We have Emily now on the phone. Welcome, Emily. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so you... Attended All Stars this weekend, correct? Yes, I was there every day. Yes, nice. So Riot made a change to All Stars this year to quote a more serious event. Do you think it worked? Um. So I think to some extent it did. Um, I know. So for example, the team that won was the LPL team, and they Busy finally won, boys. <laughs> well, they they boot camped before this event. Uh, they boot camped so, before All Stars. Yes. Oh, so wow. there are actually some really funny like comics that a few Chinese outlets put out about their boot camp um, that were really entertaining. But yeah, they ended up boot camping before the event, and they ended up winning. So 
eventually, you know, that that work paid off. Um, but obviously, a lot of other teams don't have that luxury. The Southeast Asia team was decimated by visa issues, for example, and they had a total of four games before. So I think when you're evaluating, like, how serious was this event, it really depended on whether teams had the luxury to take it to take it seriously with a lot of it. And then also it seemed like there was like a, a weird balance between the two, right? Like I, I'm not sure if players, the players themselves seem to be having a lot of fun. So that's good. Um, I'm not sure if players themselves really figured out how seriously they were supposed to take it, how seriously maybe they weren't supposed to take it. We had certain players taking things very seriously. And then we had, you know, stuff like the prey and reckless 1v1 where they both decided to lock in Garen and dance. So, yeah, it, it was it was kind of a weird... I think the players themselves were still trying to figure, figure out how seriously to take it. Yeah, I think that there was some confused messaging. I was watching a Hotline League last night, which is the Travis S. and Mark Z's show, and this was... All-Stars was like their big discussion, and I just... I don't think it needs to be serious. I think they need to figure out something different because uh, you already have enough serious competitions. I don't think people realize how long the League of Legends season is and how few breaks there are, right? Like, it's yeah, January it's to basically November is what it was this year. And right. there was, like, almost no stopping. There was, like, that brief period where players got to go home to their families for, like, a week, which for some of the international players that, that import into other regions, EU and NA, that's, like, really taxing, right? And China as well. And so... It's kind of nuts that like there's almost no stopping and there's and very little breaks and these players are burning out. I don't want another competition in November and December where you're just again just like you know battering people with seriousness and having to have some kind of stake. I really don't want that. Right. And that's what All Star was. Uh, All Stars was in like 2013, 2014 as as well. Like it it determined seating for Worlds. Like it was actually a serious event and it was important. And um, yeah, like I don't want that again. I just like. <laughs> I'm fine with, like, a goofy competition, maybe something different. One of the ideas proposed last night on that show was to make it, like, um, the summit events, right, where you, like, bring all the players together in, like, right. a house, and it's kind of, like, funny and and goofy, and it's not, like, super serious in studio, right? Like, right. that could be enjoyable. We'll see, like, Faker and Bjerks and, like, making jokes or something I like that. I would love like, to see that, but that it's right, you know? Like, they want to be taken seriously, so... Yeah, I just don't understand, like, get rid of this event if it's going to be seriously, basically. Like, Yeah, I mean, if, I you, mean if, if you even look at a player like Faker, he... If you think about it, he really has no break from LCK starting early in January. People are already screaming now, to too. Elster. Yeah, right. Exactly. So as a, if you're a good player, then you're basically screwed in terms of scheduling in League of Legends. Yeah, the Chinese team actually has, I think, like only a few days off before they start prepping for Demacia Cup, which is uh, the week of Christmas, I believe. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also think that it was a bit odd because, and I know this is something that's been mentioned a lot, but they kind of wanted to have it as more of a serious focused event, but then they had it at the Riot Studios, which I guess as press who pretty much lives there in season, it's a bit weird since that studio and like the press, even just the press room itself, right, is not designed to have this overwhelming amount of international media 
there. Um, so it was a, it was a weird, it was just kind of a weird event where it felt like they were kind of still straddling, like, do we take this seriously? Do we not take this seriously? Et cetera. Right. And covering this, covering this event from a media standpoint just seems like such a nightmare because it's like, do you do recaps? Do you, I mean, do you do serious interviews with the players after they're, do you ask them about the game? Like, what do you ask? It's, it's, it feels like this event has lost its identity in a, in a little, um, in a way. So it's hard for us to, yeah, figure out a way to cover it. Right. Yeah. The way I treated it and the way I saw a lot of media treating it like, uh, in Ven and a lot of the Chinese media outlets is we basically used it as a farm for (laughs) interviewing players that you might not be able to interview in season um, or you might not have been able to interview about the upcoming season and using it as that. So like a lot of the stuff I have coming out of this event isn't necessarily about the all-star event itself. It's about, it's talking to girl and pray about long It's talking to, um, you know, QB about why Samsung decided to stay together. It's talking about Dayud about why he chose to stay in Brazil. Like it's not, um, it's not about the all-star event itself. It's about, the upcoming season or their past year or something like that. And I don't think a lot of people were doing as many in moment interviews. They were treating it more as like a get to know these players a bit more, ask them about the upcoming season, ask them about the past season. And there were a limited amount of interviews that really focused on the all-star event itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an issue. I actually think that, uh, so that brings up a better point. I think that uh, access to international players is really hard for Western media to get. And I think that that's what this event is, right? Aside from like worlds and MSI, it's really hard to get that, that sort of access. And even then those two events this year were not even in the U S. So the fact that this was in the U S I feel like that was just like, a media free-for-all from everything I saw had nothing to do with All-Stars. It was basically Western media getting international players. And I'm sure, like, we haven't seen it yet, but even, like, Tyler interviewed Faker, and I would imagine that that probably what that was about. I don't think they were, like, chatting super hardcore about All-Stars. They were probably talking about other things. Right. And the reverse, right? Because, like, you know, Inven and, like, Tuan or Pentecue, they're going to want to talk to Bjergsen. They're going to want to talk to Reckless when they might not get a chance to. So... It's it's like it goes both ways. Too. Yeah, we're we're not all afforded the the luxury of traditional sports media yet as an uh, in industry, not just ESPN, where like we can travel wherever we want, whenever we want, which is like definitely what bigger sports media outlets do, including our own uh, at a higher level at different traditional sports. And like, yeah, even like like Emily said, like Invin and Pentecue and those people also don't have that that luxury. So like, you choose your events, you pick your moments, and this was probably a moment for a lot of people because there's a lot of international players, best players in the world, all come together in one event. Right. That's true. I I mean, the conversation, to give you guys some behind-the-scenes contact, the conversation between Tyler and the editorial team here in Bristol was basically, your goal is to get Faker this weekend, and that's it. So, and job well done, Tyler. So, he got Faker. Um, also, a shameless plug really quickly. Emily just mentioned her piece on Gorilla and Prey, and that's up on our website right now, ESPN.com slash esports. Gorilla gives some really good insight about how Long Zoo Gaming is not the second coming of Rocks Tigers as much as we want them to be. <laughs> Even if, like, if you don't read Emily's work, you have issues anyway. So, like, that, Emily's work's good. His, his reaction was so funny, too, because he understands, uh, people might not know, Gorilla's, like, fluent in English. And so, even though he's giving his answers in Korean, because it's, 
you know, it's sometimes a lot more comfortable just speak in your, you know, home language. He, uh, he laughed immediately as I asked him, I was like, what do you think about the community calling you the second rock tigers? And he's just like, ah, just burst out laughing. So it was good. You like this fun. again? <laughs> it's been following yeah, him for like, like two years. Yeah, this again, please. Everyone's asking me about yeah, this. Peanut, peanuts yeah, peanuts moved to does not help their case at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is what is that like talking to the players that you... I mean, Emily, you cover the LCK very extensively, so you rarely get this chance. And you usually see them on a screen. So what is it like going to All-Stars and talking to these players that you have covered for so long? So with Gorilla and Prey, I've actually interviewed them enough that they recognize me. Um, If Peanut were here, he recognizes me. We actually have a joke about me learning Korean and Peanut learning English because his English has actually improved significantly because apparently FKT members were making fun of him for his lack of English. And the first interview, he definitely, like, did not understand any of it. So. He's come a long way. Um, so some of the players actually recognize me and some of the staff recognizes me. Um, but it's a really cool chance to find stories that I might not be able to get otherwise. And again, with interviewing the Samsung players, it's it's just really nice to have that conduit because obviously my Korean is in no way good enough to do an interview in Korean. So even when I go to Korea this coming, um, the first week of LCK in spring, I'm going to need someone to translate for me, right? And I'm actually physically making the effort to go to Korea. So I personally like events like this from a feature writing standpoint because I just get to interview a lot of players that I wouldn't be able to otherwise. Okay, then to wrap up really quick, what should Riot do next year? Like, should they get rid of All-Stars? Should they make it less serious? Jacob, why don't you kick it off? I still like the idea of, like, having everyone in a house or having everyone in a non, like, super competitive environment and, like, allowing those relationships to flourish. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think that would be more enjoyable and, you, and you'd feel more of a personal connection and it would also be a relief for the players. I think the players would be more down to do that than try to compete super seriously. And then you end up Garen versus Garen anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think the best thing they did was release the comms from that matchup because it was hilarious listening to Prey and Reckless talk. But I th- I do think that this is something that traditional sports struggles with, right? And with the League of Legends season being so long and players essentially being quote-unquote punished for doing well, because if you do well, you just have more and more and more events on your calendar, including All-Stars. I do think that it needs to be a sillier, almost rest for the players. I think the thing I'd want the most is for these players who are just playing nonstop to be able to go to an event, relax, have fun, um, not have it mean anything, um, especially with, so I, I spoke about the Chinese boot camp, which I think is, is kind of awesome. I think it's cool that they wanted to come together and, and boot camp like that. But I also know that not a lot of the teams have the luxury and some teams have visa issues and some teams can only afford to get there like a day before. Um, so I think making it a more fun event is generally the way to go. All right. I think that's a good way to wrap up our podcast for today. Thank you, Emily and Jacob, for joining me. For more esports content, you, you can check out ESPN.com slash esports. 
Or you can follow us and tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at Rachel Yonggu, at Jacob and Wolf, and at League of Emily. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.